As a free, not-for-profit service, Cradio requires the support of people like you to help keep us going in our mission. To donate, visit cradio.org.au slash donate. Conversations with Daniel Noor. Tackling the tough questions on cradio.org.au. Hello Cradio listeners, my name is Daniel Noor and when I entered the Catholic Church on September the 21st, 2013, I brought all my confusion, anxiety and uncertainty right in with me. As a young journalist searching for the truth, every week I'll be interviewing an expert on a hot topic and trying to get straight answers on the moral, political and social issues of the day. I invite you to join me and to have your questions answered about today's tough topics as well. This is Conversations with Daniel Noor. Cambodia is a country that's been recovering from the impact of successive waves of war and conflict for some years now. Today we're talking with Catholic priest and Deaf Development Program Coordinator, Father Charles Dittmeyer. Father Charles has been working in the war-ravaged country for, I think, about 20 years, Father Charles? Uh, 18 years now. 18, and we're very, very privileged to have him with us today. Um, So, Father Charles, thank you for joining us. You're welcome. Thank you for inviting me. It's always good to talk about Cambodia. It's an interesting place. And that's exactly what we'd like to start with today, Father. So if you could tell us a little bit more about just what Cambodia has been like for you and the personal journey that brought you there. And I, I believe you're here in Sydney in your capacity as a Caritas Australia spokesman. Is that right? Right. I'm in Australia uh, at the invitation of Caritas Australia, we have the Deaf Development Program in Cambodia. It's the only program working with the general deaf population in the whole country. And Caritas Australia, a big leading international donor, well known, I'm sure, in Australia, has been very helpful and generous to us in Cambodia. They funded several projects that I've been associated with and in the last few years have now started funding the deaf program. So that's what brings me here. It's the type of aid that's really needed. Um, I work specifically with deaf people right now, but Cambodia generally still needs a lot of assistance. As you mentioned, they've gone through a half century of conflict and warfare. They were part of the French colony of French Indochina. They then were uh, became independent of the French but then they were dragged into the Vietnam War and heavily bombed by the United States. And then the Khmer Rouge arose, and they said the French are gone, the Americans are gone, so now we're going to re-set up uh, Cambodia to its glory days, the days when they built Angkor Wat. And then the Khmer Rouge went off the track and started killing their own people. And then the Vietnamese came in, But then the Vietnamese came in and defeated the Khmer Rouge and drove them up into the jungle, but then the Vietnamese stayed. And then finally the United Nations came in and helped to establish the multi-party democracy that we have now in name. It's less of a multi-party democracy than that phrase describes. And then after that, because of all that warfare and conflict, there was a wave of NGOs that have come in. So now we, I think we have like 3,000 local and international NGOs. So it's been a, a half century of warfare, of conflict, of turmoil, political instability, 
And now we seem to be coming out of that, but it's still an uneven situation. Mm. A lot of problems with the politics and with government and with civil society. Father, you're here for Caritas Australia, which is the humanitarian arm of the Catholic Church in Australia and I think part of the second largest development network in the world. I'm wondering why the work with Caritas has indeed been funded by the agency and what it is about your development approach or that which you're involved with which makes it so unique what what is it about what you're doing that's particularly special well with our development work working with the deaf community we're special in the sense the literal meaning of unique we're the only one Mm. Um, a french ngo started a deaf school in 1997 the same year that our deaf development program started but the the school that they have set up uh, works only with children and only with education and the deaf development program works with everything else so all the people out in all over Cambodia who have no access to any services uh, they come to us for anything they need if a deaf person has AIDS if a deaf person gets hit by a truck if they get arrested uh, if they're having family problems whatever it is they come to the deaf development program we only we have three centers in Cambodia, but we get requests from all 25 provinces, and so our social workers and interpreters travel all over the country, um, even beyond the areas where we have our our geographic centers. Um, and so we are unique in that regard, um, that we are the only agency that people can go to. Are there many deaf in Cambodia? Deafness is fairly uniform around the world. Uh, about half of deafness is genetic. Another, maybe a fourth, is from accidents and disease. Uh, another fourth is old age and other assorted causes. Um, there's a little spike in the numbers of people who are deaf because of illness in Cambodia. In more developed countries, the early childhood diseases, scarlet fever, meningitis, whooping cough, um, they're diagnosed and treated. Those are all diseases that can have side effects of deafness. In Cambodia, they're not diagnosed and they're not treated. So we have a higher percentage of people who are deaf because of illness. But in the overall statistics, it's it's fairly uniform with the rest of the world. Uh, it's just that there's no services for them except uh, what we can offer. So um, it's, it's a different situation in that regard. Mm. Deafness in Cambodia is a particular kind of affliction. I mean, it's more challenging than it would be, say, in the developed West. Can you tell us why? Uh, There are several reasons. One is uh, a religious reason. Um, Something like 94% of the Buddhist, of the Cambodians are Buddhist. Part of Buddhism is karma, uh, the idea of being reborn to a new life. And your state in life, your situation now, is dependent upon what you were before or how you behaved before. And so we find some people who look at a deaf person and they say, well, it's your own fault. If you hadn't goofed off in your previous life, you wouldn't be deaf now. So in some regards, there's less sensitivity, less willingness to help. but that's breaking down now. As more education spreads through uh, uh, Cambodia, there's there's less of that that perspective of karma and it being your own fault. A kind of stigma, would you say? It, it was. 
And there, there's a, a general stigma, too, uh, a discrimination in Cambodia against people with disabilities, partly because of that karma, but partly, too, Cambodia, there are not enough resources for all the people. We don't have schools throughout the whole country. We don't have medical facilities throughout the whole country. And so sometimes society can look at people with disabilities and they can say, why should we dedicate money and resources and services to you when we can't serve the general population? Um, and, and so there, there's, there's an element of discrimination also, and that, that's another factor they have to contend with. But another factor, too, is just the lack of awareness of deafness, um, that society generally doesn't know what deafness means. And, um, you know, that, that idea of, in the Khmer language, the word for deaf is go, and it means you can't speak. So they're, they're defining deafness in terms of speaking, not in terms of hearing. And we find as we go out looking for deaf people, we have to find them because there is no registry of deaf people in Cambodia. As we go out and uh, we go to the village to village looking for deaf families with deaf children, um, very often we will find someone who is deaf, but the village and their family has identified them as having a mental disability. And they tell us, oh no, uh, this, our daughter is crazy. And, and then the implication is, well, you know, you can't do anything with crazy people. And so they just ignore her and just, they keep her alive, but um, she's marginalized. She's not really, she's in the family, but not participating in the family. She lives with them, she sleeps in the same house, she eats with them, but she's not part of them because they have no sign language, she has no sign language, they think she's crazy, and so she's just put off to the side. So it seems like there's a real education component to the work that you're doing. Oh, very much. Education for the young deaf people who come to us. We work with deaf people 16 and above. We try to send the younger children to the deaf schools that the French group started. Education is essential and very critical. The problem with that is when deaf people come to us, they're usually in their early 20s. They have never been to school a day in their life. They have no language. No sign language, no spoken language, no written language, nothing. And they, they come to us, and so first of all, we have to provide language. So first of all, we have two or three months of intensive sign language, Cambodian sign language. Usually when these deaf people come to us, they're, they're really, really frightened. They're coming from remote areas in the, in the provinces. They have probably, when they come to us, never spent a night away from their home have never been out of their village and now they're coming to Phnom Penh or one of the other larger cities and they they are really really frightened what is this what you know they, they no one has been able to communicate to them their family doesn't know sign language Their family can't explain we're sending you to school it's for your own good all they know is that their family takes them out of the village and drops them off at our place and they're saying oh wow what's next what's coming off um, and so we try to reassure them and start teaching sign language right away. You may hear from my accent that I was born in the United States. And in the United States, we have a slang expression, to get a life. And that's what we see happening. These 
really frightened young deaf men and women, and they're usually at their early 20s, come to us, and they don't know what, what's going on, what's happening, where they are. Um, and so we start teaching them sign language. And then it was really interesting. The teachers we had in our education program were coming to us, and they were saying, something is really strange, because every year we get this new group, and it's the dynamics are just unusual. We finally figured it out. It takes them two or three weeks to realize everyone else in that class is deaf, just like them. If you think about it, their entire life, every time they've been in any kind of group, they have been the only deaf person. Everybody else is talking and moving their mouth. They haven't a clue what's going on. Mm. And now for the first time, you know, they're in this group, and gradually as they start to learn sign language and they start seeing everybody else learn sign language, they realize, hey, we're in the boat together. Yes. And they get a life. It, 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 they sort of explode. For the first time, they're able to have friends, to yeah. communicate, to talk about their feelings, their life, their dreams, their hopes, uh, anything, just like we talk to each other. Now they can talk to new friends. It must be just enormously liberating. Oh, it is. Father Charlie, you spoke of this idea of uh, you know being an outsider. You mentioned also that you were, in fact born in Kentucky or that you're an American. What has been your experience of, you know, being a foreigner in this probably quite homogenous Southeast Asian society? I mean, were you accepted by the Cambodian people? Oh, I I have been very much. I had a dream when I was a kid that I was going to go and live and work in a foreign country and I was going to know the language so well that they wouldn't know I was a foreigner. Now, obviously, I wasn't thinking about Europe and Asia because I'm never going to blend in in Asia. <laughs> no way. I mean, I see before you now uh, a kind of uh, chic southern gentleman in a collared shirt <laughs> and, uh, you know, a, a, a beard. With with white skin, white, white skin. hair, beard. Yeah, I, I'm not going to blend in, in in an Asian context. But the Asian people, I, I, I've lived in, in India, in Sri Lanka, in Hong Kong, and now 18 years in Cambodia. And everywhere I've been totally welcomed, especially in Cambodia. I mean, the Americans... We bombed the heck out of Cambodia, killed you know a half million people, and they 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 sort of that's where karma comes in somewhat too. And they say, well, those things happen, and now we 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 need to move beyond that. And so even though my country killed so many of their people, they are ready to welcome me now. Uh, and 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 my NGO, American-based group called Merino, and. Uh, we're welcomed, and they, they see that we're trying to come and to to offer something. Um, in, in religious terms, we see that as the gospel. It doesn't mean going out and preaching to everybody and just giving them Bibles, but to to feed the hungry, to clothe the naked, to educate the uneducated. So we try to do all those things, and they recognize that, and they're they're very welcoming and most supportive of us. So that that hasn't been a problem at all. Mm. Uh, Father, you are a Catholic and a priest Mm -hmm. celebrating Mass, offering the sacraments in a Buddhist country. Mm -hmm. Has there been any backlash from the locals? No, not at all, Uh, uh, especially in a Buddhist country. Buddhists are very open and very welcoming. Uh, And uh, one of our people was invited to teach English to Buddhist monks. And he said, well, you you know I'm, I'm a Catholic priest. And he said, that's okay. We, we have a religion. We want English. <laughs> and they just say, you know, you're a Catholic. Be a good one. We're Buddhists. We'll be good ones. And they're, they're, they're happy with that. So they're very comfortable. Um, sometimes there has been conflict in Cambodia 
when some groups that sometimes are not culturally sensitive and they'll go in and they're really pushing, you know, evangelizing and uh, giving big bags of rice and Bibles to everybody if you come to our religious services and stuff. And sometimes that upsets the government. It sort of raises a red flag and the government of course they wouldn't say this, but they probably send in their goons and they burn down a few churches and stuff like that. And, you know, just sort of stay within your boundaries. But for us, the, the work that we've been doing, we, we work at the invitation of the government. We work with the mainline ministries, some marital projects in health, mine is in social welfare. Um, and the, they know we sign a contract with the government. We do what, what we say we're going to do. And they're very, very content with that. Mm. Father, as we draw to a close now, I'd be love to hear as a kind of call to action for our listeners what they can do to support this wonderful work and developing the infrastructure and the education systems of deaf development in Cambodia. Well, what, what can we do to help? Well, I, I think, you know, I'm here at the invitation of Caritas Australia. They have their Project Compassion going on now. It goes on through the Christian season of Lent and Easter. And it, it's a time for giving, for sharing, for, in a sense, making sacrifices for ourselves. Um, so one way of supporting, you know, our project and other projects of Caritas Australia is to help you know, with donations during this Project Compassion and throughout the year. Um, I think one of the things we find too is awareness. Very few people really understand the deaf world and deaf people and their problems. And so I'd invite people to learn more about deafness um, and, and maybe take a sign language course. Uh, but just to, to increase that, that level of awareness and to, to realize these people are just like us except they can't hear. Deaf people have a phrase, we can do anything except hear. There are deaf pilots, deaf members of parliament, deaf doctors, deaf lawyers, everything. Um, and, and so, in a sense, being inclusive in, in our school programs, in our society programs, at things like putting captions on public service announcements, on television, um, putting sign language interpreting on, on television just so they can get the news you know, down in the corner. Mm. There's there so many ways, but just being aware of deaf people and the special problems that they have. And is that beyond Cambodian society? I mean, as a linguist and as having a fluency yourself in Khmer sign language, do you think maybe that the deaf, even in ostensibly the West, the developed West, are neglected and not well integrated into daily life? Well, they're certainly neglected in Cambodia. I mean, they're starting to develop some services like putting interpreters on television. It's just starting. But even in a lot of other countries, it's relatively limited. Sometimes they will provide a sign language interpreter, but, but just for news programs. So all the other programs that people love to watch uh, they may walk through the room and the rest of the family is watching some program, but it, it might not have captions and it might not have any interpreting. So they get left out a lot. So again, that, that awareness, what can we do to... One of the things deaf people complain about a lot is lack of information. Uh, public service announcements. If there's a you know severe weather warning, how do deaf people know about that? Um, there, you know, there are things that can be done, especially now with the new technology. Many deaf people use Facebook and Instant Messenger because they can use the videos 
and that has become the major mode of communication for the deaf community in Cambodia. And Facebook has just changed everything. And uh, but we do like little forty-five second things, and we post them on our our Facebook page, and it, they all like or they're they're on that page, and so they all find out what's going to happen on Sunday in the Deaf Community Center and stuff. So there's ways we do, but the, having that awareness and then looking for ways to make sure the deaf people are included is really important. Well, Father Charlie Dittmeyer, thank you so much for your time today. Again, for our listeners, the uh, website that they can go to is caritas.org.au forward slash Project Compassion to support the work of deaf development in Cambodia. Thank you for being with us today. And thank you, and thank the people of Australia and Cambodia and uh, Caritas Australia for the aid they have given us. And to our listeners, once again, I say thank you for listening to Conversations with Daniel Noor. If you've enjoyed this episode, why not subscribe to Conversations by searching iTunes for Cradio or Conversations with Daniel Noor. You can also share it with a friend who might be interested in development work in Southeast Asia or the issue of deafness, the challenge of deafness. Also, do us a favor and give us a five-star rating. Uh, The way the iTunes algorithm works is that any episodes you rate highly are more likely to be seen, and that helps us to get the good word out there. Finally, subscribe to the Cradio newsletter by clicking subscribe on cradio.org.au. Bye.